0: Uh, Thank you, Faluke, for reading uh, Titus chapter 3. You'd find the words were slightly out of sync. It's because we are going to be focusing from verse 9. But because we are coming after a space of time, it might be good for us to just to remind ourselves where we are. Uh, Today we'll be concluding uh, this particular letter that Paul wrote to Titus. A quick reminder... Uh, it was Paul writing to Titus. Titus was a valuable member of Paul's team. He was a Gentile Christian and he was a tough guy. He was sent to often to sort out issues in different places and in particular he's been sent to Crete. And he had two jobs to do. Number one is to appoint elders in every uh, city. And uh, extra biblical sources say during Roman times there were 20 cities in, the, in in Crete and that's a big task and obviously there might have been 20 congregations and so in these 20 congregations uh, he had to appoint in an elder or elders uh, as the case may be and he gave a list of qualifications, what qualified someone to be an elder. The reason is that Paul was going to die and another generation was going to come and without proper leadership uh, a church uh, will, will not uh, grow, will, not, will implode. Uh, and the second thing was they were doing it in the backdrop of false doctrines or false teachers. There were a number of people uh, teaching Christianity plus, okay? Uh, so it's important for us to guard the gospel, to guard uh, the message that God has committed to us about his only begotten son. So in chapter 1 he talks about the qualifications for eldership and in chapter 2 he's addressing members. In one word he's saying we need to be disciples. That's what pretty much he's saying. He addresses the young people, he addresses the old people, he addresses the men, he addresses the women and he tells them to be, become mature. And uh, he's saying God's grace has enabled you uh, to, uh, to be uh, to to do this, to grow in this uh, Christ likeness, all knowing that the glory of uh, the glory awaits us. I have to keep that in mind. Then in chapter three he's talking about these members or these members to how do they live out their discipleship in the world. So he's talking about citizenship. How do you be a, how how would you be a good citizen in a city, in a, especially in a Roman context where uh, it, you know, it was very difficult, uh, they were oppressed, there was no fairness in society, uh, you know, much different to us, in some ways similar to us uh, uh, as well. So he's talking about how to be a disciple, how to live out your discipleship, and he's saying uh, what they were to be, what they are like, what they were like. He reminds them in chapter 3 of what they were like in the past what they are like in the present, and what they will be like in the future. So that's kind of uh, sets up the theme. I'll just uh, start off on chapter 3 and let's jump in. Uh, in chapter 3, in the passage that uh, Fuluki read for us, first thing he says, remind them what they have been uh, saved from. And uh, it is important for us to... Uh, Look back and see what we were like and now what we are like. You know what I mean? Your current status is always uh, more important irrespective of what your background is. In today's life, uh, many of us find difficult to face the present or the future because of our past. In Christ, we can draw a line of our past uh, whatever circumstance you came through, you could still live uh, for him. And we also define what is sexist biblically. Biblically, sexist is faithfulness to God. It's not how many zeros you have in your bank account, uh, how many shares you have, or how many houses you have, how much you've studied, or how good-looking you are. Or n- None of those things uh, define success. All these things are material things. And they will come and they will go. But one thing that remains is that's your walk with God. That is what matters. Okay. Um, And he says, how are they saved? And uh, we've seen those two words. He he said that they were uh, regenerated by washing and by the renewal of the Holy Spirit. So when we hear the word of God, we are being washed. In, a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in one sense, when we go through the waters of baptism, it's a kind of a washing. And, it's a, and you're also it's a kind of a burial. You're saying, I'm dead to my old lifestyle. I'm going to live uh, for God in this newness of life, in the light of the resurrection which Christ has had. One day I will be raised up. And he asked them to, he reminded them that they are heirs and they have hope. And that's where we finished off last time. And today I'm just going to be looking from verses 9 to 15 as I mentioned. It starts off by saying, avoid uh, foolish disputes, genealogies, contentions, uh, strivings about the law. This is Greek culture. Greeks Love to debate. Greeks love to discuss. Greeks love their personal opinion to be heard. And we are products of the Greek culture. You don't have to go very far. If you go to a pub or a restaurant or travel in a, a, a train or something, you will, when you have a group of people, when we are talking, they always say, but I think have you come across that? Have you said that yourself? But I think, if, if it were me, I would. Uh, and we'll be quick to uh, shoot down uh, politicians, leaders, uh, managers, bosses, etc. Because we value our human opinion more than others. One commentator said, uh, if we go down that route of valuing our personal opinion over God's opinion then when we do group discussion we are only pooling our ignorance that's very tragic isn't it if we, you know, like even in terms of uh, Bible study uh, sometimes this happens uh, especially when you're young uh, you fail to ask the most important question what does this part of scripture say Instead, the first question people ask is, what do you think? Who cares what you think? What you think may be right, what you think may be wrong, but does it line up the Scripture? That's first matter. So, first and foremost question of any sign of discipleship is to ask when you read a text, say, what does this text say? What is God trying to communicate? Then comes your opinion, and in your opinion you need to be, you must remember... You're not le- reading words of man, but actually you're reading words of God. So if you have a high view of Scripture, it is always saying, I need to align with Scripture. It's not like Scripture somehow should be bent and brought to alignment with my way of thinking, like some people think that God needs an update, he's got a bug, and he needs to be fixed. That's sad. It's not, he's not a piece of software that needs to be fixed. It's not a glitch. It's not a virus or any of those things. You've got to remember, He is Lord. He's God. Once you call Him God, the rightful thing is actually to surrender and say, one of the things Claire and I, when we pray, say, we stop and say, we thank you that you are God and we are not. We thank you that you're King and we are not. We thank you that you're Lord and we are not. We thank you your words are eternal and ours is not. Lord, there are many times we find it difficult to comprehend your word, comprehend you, but we surrender because you are God. So that is honesty, that is discipleship. So uh, in, as we close this letter, one of the applications we can take on board is when we read the scripture, say, God, your words are higher than mine. Your thoughts are higher than mine. Lord, I might, I might have... I might, my friends might think I'm clever, but compared to you, I am not. I surrender to your scripture. I surrender to your rulership. When we say, Lord, let your kingdom come, the basic meaning is saying, I'm acknowledging that your king, your rule matters. And you're saying... My position as a subject, because we live in a democracy, we, even if you're in Commons, in the House of Commons, if you ever watch, uh, sometimes I do uh, watch, and, you know, when the Prime Minister's questions or time comes and speaks, there's lots of yas and boos and all sorts of things and banging on their the benches. All that happens. So because we're kind of used to it, so we have thought that we have somehow, what do you call minimized God and brought him down to the size of man and even, you know um, uh, I was one time listening to a a, a, uh, a new young person uh, starting to, uh, he was preaching his first sermon, uh, someone whom I know and he sent me a copy and, uh, of, uh, online and I was listening to it and uh, he asked me, please give an honest feedback and uh, he in the he was talking about various miracles that Jesus did and he said, that guy, Jesus. That's what I picked up on. And I told him, you never address your Lord as that guy. He's Lord. He's King. He's King of Kings. He's Lord of Lords. He's the most supreme. That's so what I would like you to do is, as we enter the new year, to have a very high view of Scripture. And these scriptures are inspired by God. Men wrote it, of course, but they were inspired God, by God to write. It expresses God's thoughts. But it's important to evaluate what is descriptive and what is prescriptive. Sometimes the scripture is just stating what happened. So it's not that you need to go around with a, with a catapult trying to slay Goliaths around. That's not what you're called to do. Now, that is... It's saying this is what exactly happened. But what is, uh, and you need to know what is prescriptive. Prescriptive is you can face the biggest of enemies with the help of God, the biggest of challenges with the help of God. If you know him, you can do well. So you you get the picture. So you need to understand that. So Greeks here were having uh, foolish disputes about genealogies, Uh, They uh, also had Jewish people uh, who had become Christians. The early church was made up of majority Jews, uh, minority Gentiles. So, you know, many people were suddenly claiming, you know, uh, I actually, you know, from the tribe of Benjamin, you see, uh, you know, my my parents, my great-great-great-grandparents, all new soul, literally, and all that kind of stuff, uh, trying to, uh, to uh, uh, speak about genealogy. Sometimes we are so boastful, human beings. And uh, even me, sometimes uh, I fall into that trap because uh, I grew up in a denomination called the Matomites which uh, my ancestors have told the story orally over and over and over again over the years that I've grown up uh, saying that uh, your, our ancestors were transformed by Apostle Thomas when he came to India. We are the Thomites. You know, we, 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 we had unbroken Christianity from AD 68. Wow! And all that sort of thing. And sometimes that can make you feel proud. You know... And I have to always fight back and say, I thank God for that heritage. Okay? But what's important is, do I know Jesus? That's what matters. Do you know that Jesus knows you? God knows you? That's that. matters. Um, I have come across other friends in this country who have said, I'm firstly an Anglican, then a Christian. I've come across people who have said, I'm a salvationist first and then a Christian. No, no, no. We are a Christian first and then whatever else you are. Okay? Keep that in mind. So people were boasting about their genealogies, contentions and strivings about the law. Some people might have a chip on the shoulder saying, Oh, I I only eat kosher food. Or you might say, or oh, you might say I don't uh, go and buy a pint of milk on Sunday. I, go, I drink black tea because it's a, you know, this is a rest day. You, you might have chip on your shoulder with various things. The kingdom of God is not about eating and drinking, but it is about righteousness, joy, and the, the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Spirit. So you've got, to, you've got to remember that. The kingdom of God does not come by observation simply because the king has come. Advent season is all about the king has come. And he says, they are unprofitable and useless. If someone comes and tries to impress you with these kind of genealogies and talking about Christianity plus, don't get impressed. He says, they are unprofitable and useless. Don't give your air time. And today's, in today's life, some of you listen to podcasts, or many of you do listen to podcasts, and many of you listen to podcasts of the wrong type of people, and then you get upset and say, Oh, look at them, look at them. Unsubscribe. If they're telling heresy, unsubscribe. Don't waste your time. Okay? Just unsubscribe. And just, uh, you know, you know my, uh, one of my friends says, uh, from India, he says... Cut the clutter, he will say. Cut the clutter. Let's have it neat. So it's important in this life to see what, in, in our lives it may not be necessarily someone is arguing about genealogies with us. Maybe it is other things that's trying to take your precious time away from your family. And you know, um, I do uh, Duolingo ever since this uh, pandemic happened. James Foote introduced me to that app, the great app. And every week it tells me how much time I've spent with Duolingo. Okay? Uh, apparently I'm now 3,000 something days in Duolingo, unbroken streak and all that. They say, would you like to put up a medal up there? I say, nah, nah. I just would like to speak French one day. That's my bottom line. Okay? That's, anyway, that doesn't matter at all. But what I'm trying to say is don't waste your time. It's good to check yourself and say, how much time are you giving to things? We say, God matters. He's priority. He's Lord. Okay, here's something. I'm going to just cut it close to the bone. You can, you can forgive me afterwards. My thought is, you know, we had a lovely friend. Uh, I shan't mention names. The so older generation, they know who they, is uh, who served as our, treasurer and she also served as our trustee at once upon a time and uh, uh, we had, we had prayer meetings in this back room and you know, you guys are let off lightly the prayer meetings are at 6 o'clock in the morning ok <laughs> and we should come there at 6 o'clock in the morning at 5.30 I'm bleary eyed just driving down in the morning coming to this back room to pray with a group of people and uh, uh, The the main pastor at the time, uh, he was going away uh, to uh, France on holiday, and he said to me, Alex, it's now down to you to run the prayer meeting while I'm away. So I turned around and asked this this couple, and I said, uh, they were one of the regulars, other than Mike and Jenny and a few others, and I just said, will you be coming? Because I was partly new to, the, new to this place, and singing like Carrie at middle of the dark in the dark night, coming and opening the church at 5.30 in the morning and putting the heating on. You've got to come through the back and all that kind of stuff. Anyway, I, so I asked them that, will you be coming? And they said, uh, the right answer, they gave the right answer, Lord, God willing, we'll come. And... Uh, and I said, uh, I'd really like you to come. She so said, we don't put alarms. We allow the Lord to wake us up if it's, our, if it's his will to come. I, as a cheeky youngster, I said, do you do that when you take your flights on holidays? God willing, if he wakes up, we'll pitch up at the airport, you know. You don't do that. Now, coming closer to the bone... Uh, what I'm going to say is, uh, maybe in, in 2024, let's make it a point to come on time to church. You wouldn't do that at work. You wouldn't do that on a holiday. You wouldn't do that uh, if you're going to somebody's house. So I'm just going to encourage you, why not? But of course, in reality is, sometimes, flat tire Children play up, somebody's sick, someone throws up. If you have a baby, a, a full nappy at the last minute. Those things happen. But let's make an effort. That's all I'm trying to say. And I'm not going to sit here uh, like Bob used to previously sit in the back and go like this. <laughs> um, but I, I, I'm, not, I'm not going to be any of those things. I would love to see, you know, when, so when we start, it's so encouraging for the worship team, you know, uh, very often it's after the first song, we suddenly find the church is full. So I'm just going to, this is an appeal from my heart. Can we prioritize God? Similarly, I would say, when you give, I know you give online, maybe it's standing order, I don't know what you guys do. Elliot knows, but I don't know. But I'm just going to say, can you just pause and think and say, God, this is something I'm bringing as an act of worship. Uh, in, in, you know, in, in the olden days we, I used to go and r- write the check the first check I write would be for him okay? but now uh, as soon as my wage comes in I go onto online banking and my first transaction is for him I stop and I pause and I say God, here's my gift so you know, God loves a cheerful giver so I would just say, in the days of electronics and virtual things, don't just let it just ride past. I, you know, it just happened, oh, the bank said in the bank's yeah, it's gone out. I would pass and say, God, uh, thank you for the opportunity, and I want to bring this as an act of worship. And whatever it is, as God puts in your heart, just bring it back and say, I'd say to you, there's something beautiful in worship, Uh, when it's offered in sincerity and in truth. Okay. What else does he say? He says, such conversation is unprofitable and useless. Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition. That's quite tough. What Paul is saying here to Titus is, if it's a waste of time, you know, don't encourage it. You know, it's like, you know, with Claire, Claire's one of these characters, you can't talk about somebody else with her, because if I try to talk about somebody else, she would say, stop, you want to talk about them, go and talk to them, don't talk to me, she'll be very up and sad, I've learnt that, uh, it's a great thing, if it is gossip, that is, if it's gossip, if it is need-to-know basis, that's okay. But if you're simply trying to spin a yarn, oh, you, you know the Muranos, oh, no. stop. You want to talk about Muranos, go and talk to Muranos. Stop, you want to talk to Claire, go and talk to Claire. See, gossip is uh, such a destructive force. So it's important when we speak, speak things which are edifying, speak things that are positive, speak things that are noble, speak things which are truth, things without good report, Speak about these things. There's plenty to talk about. Okay? Of course, being British, you allowed to moan about the weather. Okay? So here you go, knowing that such a person is whooped and sinning and he's being self-condemned. So why do we want to be like this? He's saying don't be like the normal cretins you guys are different when you do your discipleship don't allow these don't waste your time cut the clutter don't speak about things which are unprofitable just think about things which matter and do not entertain such things and uh, then moving he says uh, so basically in one word if you want to summarize those few verses 9, 10 and 11 is be vigilant is a word. Next bit is the conclusion. Your Christian, your Christian witness. Your Christian witness. Sometimes when we think witnessing means, you know, we have got all different pictures. Witnessing means you're standing somewhere and giving a tract out. If you're from India, you might say. Or if you ask my brother, he's, 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 in the olden days you, you were allowed in India to stand with a megaphone on the side of the street and shout out the gospel. Uh, that was done in our parts of India and even in, uh, even in Brixton it used to happen uh, during my days what is actually witness? witness is primarily your life should declare that you belong to the kingdom of God and you live differently it's easy to shout but it's more difficult to live so in your life your life should actually scream out Christ. So, um, uh, your, the two things that weaken your Christian witness is words and works. Doctrine and duty. Those things matter. So, if you get God's words hidden in your heart, the works that you do will be godly. You get the picture? The when you serve... You're doing it unto him. Whatever it is, even cleaning your bathroom, maybe. (laughs) Do it unto him. Whatever you do, uh, have that picture. It it puts uh, a different spin, a different outlook, a different degree of diligence as you go about work. Okay? Then I want to uh, touch on uh, a few practical things Paul is saying. Uh, He's mentioning a few names here when I send Artemis or Chichikis, be diligent to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend uh, winter. So I just want to touch who is Artemis. Uh, We don't have much biblical information, extra biblical information says he was one of the 70 disciples of Jesus. And uh, he later on became an elder or a bishop at Lystra. <coughs> Tychicus is a beloved, a brother, a faithful minister, a bond servant. <coughs> Pardon me. There are much more things about Tychicus written here. In Acts chapter 20, uh, Paul is making his journey back to Syria. And in Acts chapter 20, in verse 4, he talks about a number of names, Sopeter the Byrian, the son of Pharis accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians Aristarchus and Secundus, Gaius of Derby, Timothy, and the Asians Tychicus and Tryphuna. So he was from Ephesus. That was called as uh, Asia Minor during those times. Uh, so keep that in mind. In Ephesians chapter 6:21. He says, so that you may know how I am and what I'm doing, Tychicus, the beloved brother, the faithful minister in the Lord, will tell you everything. So if he's going to come and tell everything about Paul, he's close to Paul, okay? He's bringing news. In Colossians 4:7, he says, Tychicus will tell you all about my activities. He's the beloved brother and a faithful man's minister and a fellow servant in the Lord. And in Timothy, writing a letter to Timothy, he says, Tychicus, I have sent to Ephesus. Who is Zenus? Zenus, the lawyer, it says. Who is a lawyer? Lawyer is a scribe, someone who wrote things down. So one of probably writers of Paul's letters could be Zenus. Apollos, again, is mentioned. He's a Jewish Christian, native of Alexandria. He's a great speaker. You can find out information of him in... Acts chapter 18 verses 24 to 28. A Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was an eloquent man, competent in scripture, instructed in the ways of the Lord, fervent in the spirit, taught accurately concerning Jesus, (coughs) though he knew only the baptism of John. And later things were explained to him by Aquila and Priscilla. So I've just mentioned who these people were. And he says, uh, send Zenith, the lawyer, and Apollos on their journey with haste that they may lack nothing. Again, it's talking about hospitality. Then he concludes these things by saying, let our people learn to maintain good works, to meet the urgent needs that they may not be unfruitful. Okay, so here's an encouragement for all of us. Get the words right. Do the works, okay? The works are not in order to get saved. We are, we are doing works because we are representing him. So as this year closes, I want to ask us, let us treasure his words uh, into our hearts. That does not happen by hitting a button and say, downloading 50%, 40%, download complete, restart machine. It doesn't work quite like that. It is systematically, diligently, a little bit at a time, just taking one scripture, thinking about it, looking at it in the context. Say, what does it say? What does it mean to me? How, does it, how do I have to change my lifestyle? That, that's a key question. And then say, God, grant me that perspective, whether I'm going to an office or working from home, whether I'm, I'm uh, looking after home or managing affairs of the home. Please help me to do things uh, with diligence uh, for your name. I'm going to close there. We're going to pray. I'm going to invite Mike to come and to break bread. Uh, Father God, uh, we thank you for sending your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We call him Lord and we want to give him the rightful place because we are not our own but we are being bought with a price and we want to glorify you in our body. We want to glorify you in our thinking. We want to glorify you in our, by our actions too, the way we do life. We ask that we will treasure your words in our heart. Even when we, quite don't, we find it hard or sometimes miss, we will come back to you and uh, align our lives with you. We ask all this for your glory, in Jesus' name. Amen.